You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to your Valentine's Views podcast for Friday, September 16th. Please like, share, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening across the uh, Big Blue View Radio Network, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thought uh, what we would do today uh, is uh, do another Friday mailbag. Did a Friday mailbag last week with questions from some of our facebook readers so uh thought readers and listeners so thought that uh that we would uh, that we would do that again today so uh had uh had some of our facebook uh folks send in some questions so let's uh let's do that let's get right to uh to answering some of the questions that we received uh this week from facebook all right first question Sean Britton wants to know when Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari are back at full strength, how do O'Shane Zimenez and Jihad Ward fit into the rotation? They both seem to earn some playing time after week one. Sean, listen, Jihad Ward and O'Shane Zimenez are the backups. Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari are highly drafted players. Thibodeau, obviously, the uh, the number five overall pick, Ojolari, second round pick a year ago, led the Giants in sacks. Those two guys are going to get the bulk of the playing time on the edge. Listen, Jihad Ward is a favorite of Giants defensive coordinator Wink Martindale. He's a guy that's that was with Martindale in Baltimore, had some good years playing for Martindale as a rotational guy. Ward is a guy who will get plenty of playing time, especially I think in rundowns did a really, really good job setting the edge on Sunday as the giants limited uh, the great Texan or Titans running back Derrick Henry to less than four yards per carry. He'll get playing time probably in some, in some base packages on some rundowns, Zimenez is a guy who, you know, I feel really good for Zimenez because it's been a struggle for him for three years with the Giants. Obviously, the prior coaching staff didn't really believe in uh, in O'Shane, had uh, ups and downs in his three years, played really, really well in his opportunity on Sunday. He's really the fourth guy. We saw the other day Toman Fox, you know, got some rotational snaps. These edge guys are not guys generally who play 100% of the snaps. So you'll see some of Ward. You'll see some of Zimenez. 
but Ojolari and Thibodeau, when they're healthy enough, will get the bulk of the snaps as they should, uh, simply because both of those guys have have more upside than Ward and Zimenez, particularly, I think, in the area of uh, of impacting the pass rush. All right, next question comes from Dave Rosenbluth. And Dave wants to know, he says, I've been thinking about scenarios regarding Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley for next year. How plausible is this one? Jones is let go. Giants draft a QB on a rookie deal. And the Giants sign Barkley to the franchise tag. Dave, listen, that uh, that is a very realistic scenario in uh, in my mind. The The reality of it is both Jones and Barkley would be eligible for the franchise tag heading into uh, the 2023 season. You can only franchise tag one player. The cost of, of franchising a quarterback next year is estimated to be a little bit north of $31 million. The cost of franchise tagging a running back like Barkley is estimated to be about $12.6 million. I can see $12.6 million for Barkley in 2023 being very palatable for the Giants if Barkley has the kind of year that everyone hopes that he that he'll have and that his week one performance indicates that he might be headed toward. So we'll see, we'll see how that hap- how that works out. But I think that that is a very realistic scenario. I, I don't know that it's going to be possible for Daniel Jones to, to play well enough for the giants to, to be willing to give him a $31 million franchise tag I've said all along that I think odds are odds are against Jones playing well enough for Joe Shane and Brian Dable to uh, to more or less hitch their wagons to him long term. I think we're headed toward a situation where the Giants do exactly what your scenario suggests here franchise tag Barkley draft a young quarterback, perhaps use Tyrod Taylor as the bridge while the young quarterback develops and try to build a team in a roster around a a young quarterback on a rookie deal. All right, let's see what else we have for questions. Adam Seuss wants to know who will play center this week. If John Feliciano can't start or has to come out during the game, Feliciano has been uh, a limited participant this week with what's listed as a lower leg injury. Adam, I fully expect Feliciano to to play on Sunday. I don't see this issue or this this as a, as a big deal. I'm going to guess that you're going to see John Feliciano on the injury report quite a bit this year uh, as a limited limited participant. He was that way most of training camp, limited at times, and full go at other times. He's a veteran player, veteran offensive lineman, been around for a while, and that's pretty much the the way that things go a lot of times with guys that have been in the league as long as he has. But the 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 answer to your question is most likely Ben Bredesen would slide over to center. Bredesen's been working at center. 
since the spring. He worked at center a lot in the spring. He worked at center a lot in training camp before he suffered an elbow injury. Right now, Bredesen in, rookie third-round pick. Josh Azudu are rotating at left guard. I think in the long run, the Giants really would like Azudu to win that job. You know, he's a guy they invested a third-round pick in. He's a guy they think can perhaps be a long-term answer, you know, for them at one of their interior positions. So I think it's, it really would be, it would be Bredesen sliding over to play center if there was a need to replace Feliciano during, uh, during Sunday's game, or for that matter, at this point, at, at any point in the season, I think that Bredesen is your first option as uh as the guy to uh, to move in there at the center spot. Pete Hudson uh, has a question about the uh, about the wide receivers. He says the receiving group seems to be such a shambles due to injury and lack of production from the big names over the past year. Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. Who is their coach, and how does the team perceive this group? Pete, first of all, I think that that shambles is a very, very strong word. I disagree that 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 group is in shambles. Listen, if you want to say that Kenny Galladay hasn't lived up to his contract, that's absolutely true. If you want to say that Kadarius Tony has been a bit of a mystery and that that we don't understand fully why he only played seven snaps on Sunday and that he hasn't lived up to to being the 20th overall pick in the 2021 draft, that's obviously true. You know, Wandale Robinson was drafted in the second round. Sterling Shepard made a big, big play on Sunday coming back from his torn Achilles tendon. I think that that I think that we need to give this offense and give the Giants time to let this unfold, see what happens, see if they're able to uh, to get production out of Kadarius Tony, get production out of Kenny Galladay, how they integrate Wandale Robinson when he comes back from his knee injury, uh, in you know fully into this offense. See if Richie James, who was a surprise contributor in the Week One win over Tennessee, see if he can continue to be a big part of of the offense, but. I really think shambles is a hard word. I think that wide receivers coach Mike Groh, son of uh, former Giants defensive coordinator Al Groh, is a really, really good head coach. I think that over time, you know, the the wide receiver position is going to change some. I don't know, you know, beyond this year, I don't know if Kenny Galladay is going to be a giant. I don't know if Darius Slayton is going to be a giant. We'll have to see what the future holds here for Kadarius Tony. I think Brian Dayball and Joe Shane see an immensely talented young player, but uh, obviously, you know, Tony didn't practice all spring. He barely practiced in training camp, which is the same as what happened in 2021. We'll have to see if Tony can uh, can can earn more snaps, can get on the field and be productive, and uh, make himself into a really, really valuable, important part of this Giants offense going forward. 
Mike Proleski wants to know if it's realistic to get out of the Kenny Galladay contract next offseason. Listen, Mike, you know, everybody wants to know about Galladay and and the situation with Galladay and, and his contract. The reality of it is the Giants just can't get out of it this year. They can't do it. They're stuck with it. They can't really renegotiate it. They've already got a void year in his contract that goes into the 2025 season. There is the potential for an out in Galladay's contract. And I, I want to look it up here. That's what I'm trying to do as, a, as I speak here. There is the potential for an out in Galladay's contract in uh, after this season, which would be if you make him a post-June 1 cut heading into 2023, the out would be that the Giants could save $13.5 million on the salary cap. They would take a $7.9 million cap hit, but uh, that would be if they made him a post-June 1 cut after the 2022 season that would be the earliest really that they could perhaps get out of the Galladay deal. We'll see what happens. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the giants try to do that, but, uh, but I know, you know, a lot of people would like to see Kenny Galladay gone right now. And, and that simply isn't going to happen. So, uh, as, as I said, the earliest you're going to see that, I think, is uh, is perhaps next offseason as a post-June 1 cut. Bob Forgione wants to know if Saquon Barkley keeps balling out, would I trade him at the deadline to get draft capital, especially if the Giants are below 500? Bob, listen, you know, I would have probably in the spring, I would have answered that question. I would have said yes. But as I as I see Saquon, as I see how healthy he is, as I see how well he's, he's run all spring and all summer and, and in week one, I think that the really, the realistic scenario is what I talked about in the earlier question about Barkley and Jones, you franchise tag Barkley, you get Barkley at a cost of 12 million and change for the 2023 season, you go ahead and move on from Daniel Jones unless you can somehow get Jones to take a low-cost deal for a year or two if you think that that's a direction you want to go in. I'm not sure that the Giants would want to do that. I'm not sure I would recommend doing that. But I think that the, the direction to go in, you know, if he remains healthy, if he shows you that he's still the Barkley that he looked like in week one against Tennessee. If we see more of that guy, you franchise tag him at $12 million. And, and, and that's, and that's a good deal for one year. Uh, I'm not sure Barkley would like that, but, uh, but that's probably the way that I would go. Do I think it's possible that the giants would trade Barkley at the deadline? I sure. I think it's possible, especially the better he plays, the more a contending team, the more a team like Kansas City, the more you know a team like the Rams, the more a team that that considers itself 
a Super Bowl contender, maybe one playmaker away, maybe one difference maker away, the more one of those teams might be willing to pony up, you know, top tier draft capital that might, you know, make Joe Shane think about moving on from Saquon Barkley. But I think the better he plays, the more the price tag also goes up. So I think the Giants will consider it if they get offers. But I I think at this point, the more likely scenario is Barkley gets the franchise tag and the Giants move on from Daniel Jones. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Tanner Russell wants to know, and this is a a Daniel Jones question that kind of piggybacks on what we were just talking about. He wants to know, what do I think Daniel Jones has to do this year to get another contract? Tanner, I think that what I've said all along is that I think because Brian Dayball and Joe Shane did not draft Daniel Jones because of the franchise tag situation, the cost of keeping Barkley versus the cost of keeping Jones, because you already have Tyrod Taylor in the fold for next year, and because you could theoretically draft a young quarterback and then get four or five years of of that player on a rookie deal, I think odds are that the Giants move on from Daniel Jones after this season. And what does he have to do? To me, I think the best way I can put it is Daniel Jones has to show Brian Dable and Joe Shane that he is a quarterback that you can win because of, not a quarterback that you win with or a quarterback who holds you back from winning, but a quarterback you win because of, a guy who leads last-minute drives, a guy who lifts his teammates, a guy who makes unexpected plays, a guy who is a reason why the Giants win games and not just you know, the guy that handed the ball off to Saquon Barkley or dumped it off on a screen pass and watched Barkley or Wandale Robinson or whoever you know, do great things that help the Giants win. Do I think that Jones can do that? I think Jones is not a terrible quarterback. I think he's a at this point a a decent NFL quarterback. He had a really good game overall 
on Sunday against Tennessee. Statistically, he had a good day, 17 out of 21, highest completion percentage of his career, 115 or so passer rating, best since his rookie season with Pat Shermer as head coach. A lot of positive things, but the Giants didn't ask him to do a whole lot. They didn't ask him to throw 35 times. They didn't ask him to challenge down the field consistently. In the second half, the second half was really all Barkley. I mean, the one big play from from Jones to Shepard, obviously, you know, was was also part of part of the deal. But the the second half was was largely about Barkley, and the second half also included the kind of thing that's going to make. Joe Shane and Brian Dayball think twice about going forward long-term with Jones if it continues. And obviously we're talking about the interception in the end zone, which I believe occurred after the Giants took over, recovered a a muffed punt at the Tennessee 11-yard line. Those are the kinds of things that you just can't have happen if you're Daniel Jones. If you're Tom Brady and you throw that interception, people say, well, it was probably the receiver's fault. Or, well, you know, over a 20-year career, you're going to have a mistake like that. But you've got the cachet that says you're better than that. That's abnormal. It's it's something that's not going to happen very often. You know, same with, you know, Eli Manning threw a couple of interceptions like that late in his career. But Eli Manning won the Giants two Super Bowls. So you you have a little bit of forgiveness for a play like that. Daniel Jones doesn't have the wiggle room because of how things have gone for him for three years. He doesn't have the wiggle room for people to say, well, he's better than that. We know he's better than that. That, that, that interception is an aberration. Unfortunately, we've seen it too many times. Plays like that are the ones that are going to make the Giants think twice about going forward with Jones beyond this year John Zimitor wants to know how analytics were used in the decision to go for two points at the end of the game John I really don't know I know that Brian Dayball has said many times that they use analytics he has a coach on staff who he talks to throughout the week and who is on the headset during the game they use a lot of analytic information I think they're a lot more tuned into it than the Giants have been in the past. I really think the two-point conversion on Sunday was really gut instinct from Brian Dable. I think it was feel. Dable said that he knew when the Giants got the ball on that final drive that if they scored a touchdown, they were going for two. That's not analytics. That's guts. That's him saying, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to try to win the game. You per, the analytics, I think, would favor that decision. I have not. Uh, I have not actually looked at uh, at them, to be honest. I, I. But but I would think the analytics would tell you that the Giants, as the underdog, would have a better chance of winning the game right there than they would of going to overtime with the Titans who on paper are a better team and winning the game that way. So I, I fully believe it was the right decision, but I'm not sure in this case how much analytics actually played, uh, played a role 
in that in that choice. Glenn Mossolf wants to know, how do you think Wink Martindale plans on using rookie safety Dane Belton? Could Belton possibly be a solution to the age-old problem the Giants have of covering running backs and tight ends? Glenn, Belton hasn't practiced or hasn't played since the first, maybe the second week of training camp, you know, since he broke his collarbone. So it's really difficult to say what role, at least initially, Wink Martindale has in mind, you know, for the for the rookie Belton drafted out of Iowa in the fourth round. Belton's a 6'1, 205 pound guy. We could see him used at times in place of one of the uh, one of the Giants inside linebackers. So we could see him used in the box. Early in training camp, I saw him used in center field sometimes in, in three safety packages. So we will have to see. I, I'm as concerned as anyone else is, to be honest with you, about the Giants' ability to cover Christian McCaffrey on Sunday. Giants gave up a pair of touchdowns in the passing game to Tennessee running back Dontrell Hilliard. And uh, obviously, Dontrell Hilliard is not Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey's one of the best pass-receiving backs in the game. Not sure how healthy he is at this point, but he's a tremendous player if he is healthy. And I I hope the Giants uh, have a better plan for, for dealing with a running back coming out of the backfield. Um, obviously, uh, you know, that that's always an issue for an inside linebacker, try to run with uh, with a running back who's faster and more athletic. So we'll see. Belton might feature into that, but uh, like everyone else, I'm anxious to see how Belton performs, how much he gets to play, and uh, whether he looks like a player who could be part of the Giants' future. Let's see what, what else we have here. Uh, Jonathan Anderson wants to know, what are your thoughts on giving Tyree Phillips a start at left guard? He played well last year at multiple positions for the Ravens. I think he could be a a viable answer for the Giants at left guard. Jonathan, listen, I think the answer that the Giants really want at left guard is third-round pick Josh Azudu. They, They think this is a good young player, they think he can play a number of positions. They think they think he'll develop into a quality guy. And the only way that, that that's going to happen for him at this point is to get on the field. Right now, the Giants are using Azudu and Ben Bredesen in a rotation. Both of those guys have been with the team all through the spring and all through the summer. They know the offense. They know the blocking schemes, and I think that you can't discount those things. Tyree Phillips, Jack Anderson, the other waiver claim are guys that the Giants obviously like. They're guys they were intrigued by and want to work with. I think that I agree with you that Phillips is intriguing, but I think that the Giants are going to go forward as long as as long as they can and see if they can what they can develop with the Zudu and Bredesen. You have to realize that both of those guys also missed significant time in training camp. So perhaps not maybe as sharp to open the season as they might like to be. So we'll see what happens going forward there. 
I think in the long run, I think the answer there that the Giants, the Giants hope emerges is Josh Azudu, but we'll see what happens. Not sure when Shane Lemieux, who was penciled in as the starter at left guard to start the season, not sure when he'll return, but I think that, uh, that Azudu is going to get every chance to, to win that job here going forward. All right, Giants fans, I think that, uh, that that's enough questions for this week. Thank you uh, very, very much for listening and for supporting all of our work here across uh, the Big Blue, Big Blue View Network, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram, on our website. We, uh, we always appreciate the support, uh, however and wherever you consume uh, your Giants information. All right, Giants fans. Thank you, as always, for listening. Please stay safe out there. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.